Due to the coronavirus, the following show is being produced and broadcast by the Yolokali youth from their homes. So sit back, relax at home, and enjoy the show. In the year 2020, the American people were faced with the most divisive election in modern history. To vote for evil or slightly lesser evil again. In a series of twists and turns, we've made it to the final reckoning. Who will walk away the chump? And who will be crowned undisputed champions? It's looking like slightly lesser evil. Will the United States burn under his rule? Will he make good on any of the promises he's made? That's for us, the people, to decide. Welcome to the downfall of the human race, pre-post-election dumpster fire, 2020 edition. You are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from the comfort of our homes. My name is Melissa, Sandra, Gio, August, Tona, Emmanuel, and I'm Marie. And we're here with the What's Up team for season 15. In this edition, we are presenting the downfall of the human race pre post elections on Sapphire 2020 edition. This show is going to have some election tidbits, starting with the election process, followed with first-hand testimonial about what it's like to be an election judge. And we also have a first-hand look at the way people are thinking with religion and politics as Emmy and Gio interview a fan favorite, Mari Carmen. And then we also have an interview with Jesse Reese, uh, Deputy Governor of Education in the state of Illinois. We'll also have a little discussion about the Fair Tax Act that was on the ballot and then have live Vox Populi with three wonderful young people who couldn't vote just yet. Then turn that question to ourselves. But before we start, let's get the shocking news out of the way. But first, Emmanuel, take it away. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. America will start winning again. 
winning like never before. Russia's apparent interference with the U.S. presidential election. The Trump victory will reset relations with Russia. A secret assessment that electing Trump was Russia's goal. Intelligence sources tell CBS News that U.S. officials believe Russia not only tried to influence the election, but also worked to help Donald Trump defeat Hillary Clinton. We will bring back our jobs. According to the Labor Department, 860,000 people filed for unemployment. One and a half million Americans filed for unemployment last week. People are still losing their jobs because of this pandemic. Weekly jobless claims had never hit that million mark before the end of March, and now they just can't seem to fall below it. We will bring back our borders. All told, nearly $10 billion has been set aside from government agencies for wall funding. And that's a bill U.S. taxpayers, not Mexico, are footing. President Trump has called these refurbished walls unclimbable. But this video posted just yesterday on social media shows two men scaling a replaced portion of the wall in California. We will bring back our wealth. U.S. economic growth shrank 32.9% in the second quarter. That is by far the largest quarterly drop since record keeping began in 1947. This as millions of unemployed Americans will lose their $600 a week additional aid as Congress has failed yet again to reach a deal. Individuals, families, businesses, communities are hurting right now. Stocks have now wiped out nearly three and a half trillion dollars in value. And we will bring back our dreams. The virus is continuing to spread. Overnight, more than 600 new cases reported, bringing the worldwide total to more than 83,000. It is now in 54 countries. Three most populated states is described as dire. California, Texas, and Florida, each marking record high average daily deaths this week. In hard-hit L.A. counties, some on the front lines are demanding better staffing and more protection. The coronavirus hitting all-time highs in parts of the U.S. More than two and a half million cases. Now more than 125,000 lives lost. Florida's numbers soaring out of control, hitting a new record high of more than 9,600 cases in 24 hours. I'm going to Walter Reed Hospital. I think I'm doing very well, but we're going to make sure that things work out. I'm tired of my black men and my black women being shot. Please don't be too nice. Like when you guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head. I said, you can take the hand away, okay? Together, we will make America strong again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. News update. U.S. 2020 election has been disconcertingly close. And the ballots of the state of Mississippi voted to replace their state flag that this And states like Wisconsin and Michigan flipped overnight. Other battleground 
key battleground states like Pennsylvania and Nevada as well, most likely due to Trump urging his fans to not vote by mail. And then after winning the 10 electoral votes for Pennsylvania, Biden is now our 46th president of the United States. It was a very close race, but these are the results. Alas, this result, there are going to be riots, so please make sure to stay safe when you go out if you do. Well, it's just one of the information you guys just said, um, I find it really nice. Um, it really does conclude as to why, you know, it took like three, four days for the election process, just because a lot of states were also passing laws inside of their state and their judicial government. And just, it was really interesting. Like, I do find it like interesting about what Mississippi did, but removing the Confederate flag from their state flag does symbolize a lot of change and it was impressive i don't know what you guys think about it yeah it was like about time you know like it's that kind of feeling like it's about time and there's still a long way to go but there's progress although it's little but there's progress i think with uh biden winning i think it's like kind of like a step in the right direction you know because like at least we like can like mold or like figure out how to do these four years like the better way you know instead of like having someone who's like not gonna speak ill but like just like you know having someone who like has like a straight mindset and just like you know wanting to do it their way instead of doing it the way the people wanted to do it so i think this is a step in the right direction definitely and just seeing this race like um from my experience um in school i was kind of like ob not obligated you know because that's not obligated but um I, I won caucusing for primaries for the Democratic, you know, elections or whatever for their choosing. So I've been kind of following the whole like election process, race, and I've been learning about each candidate just because of what I've been doing in school and all that. And just definitely it's just something for my first experience voting. It was very interesting. Um, and I definitely kind of learned how like important it is to vote, um, just be a part of like like a true democracy in a sense and yeah definitely i know other of you guys also voted so i don't know how your experience was if anyone can tell us i voted last election too yeah it, it's so there's so many people that share the sentiment like your vote doesn't matter and it kind of feels like that you know because like last election you know it didn't it didn't go our way but to see like the amount of people coming out to vote this time it's is truly astounding this, there were some places like uh, like a couple towns in Boston that Biden won by a single vote or something so close, you know? And it's wild, you know? That's that's like the, the one reason to vote in our favor. Good job, America. And it was actually kind of fun too, because like, what is it? That was my first time voting. As like newly turning 18, that was my first time. And then it was my mom's at least third time because she usually doesn't vote as much. So like my little sister had urged her, I'm like, she's like, this is my future in your hands right now, please vote. So we both voted by mail, which was super interesting. Cause like we had to like find a Dropbox and it was like really weird. Cause like we thought Madero was a Dropbox place, but it wasn't. So we had to like go by Kelly High School and then we had to go to another high school to find a Dropbox. And it's like, it was so weird, but like, I'm happy we were both determined to like get our votes in. And something like that not give up. So I thought that was a super fun experience. Did anybody else vote by mail? No, I voted, I voted in person. person. Me too. Just in person. Um, and how have you all been feeling this whole week? Yeah, I don't know. I think that this whole week has been so stressful. Like like literally I know some students and I I had I was one for a little bit who had the Zoom calls on one page and then had the electoral votes 
on the other one and i <laughs> it's so stressful like to see literally that is your future like as a woman our rights and like as a person of color that is so stressful i don't know what you guys think i definitely agree with you tona like it's just a very stressful thing with when you're in a situation that is not specifically privileged and you might just get like you know there's a fact where like danger danger factors happen you know for women specifically you know how they're planning to overturn roe versus wade that is a very important thing because it gives the right for a woman to choose to you know have a baby or not or just the elimination of planned parenthood who provides more than abortions which is like more of just sexual health and free sti screenings all that so it's very important um but i don't know what other people's opinions is on that i mean like really like how tona and everybody's been saying like it's been super stressful and um i know how when i was like an election judge it was just beyond stressful to me because i had to put in the ballots i had to put the initials in i had to make people feel comfortable like in the in the um place and um really because you know i had to do training before doing um the whole election judge thing and i was just super terrified to just mess up because really like one small thing can just change you know a lot and um but really um there was a lot of people and but it wasn't chaotic as much there was a lot of people and um really a, a lot of young old people teenagers um what else i mean really just a whole bunch of different races it was a really good experience and i got to work with different people as well um with different opinions about you know politics and it really does show how people think in many different ways and um my i know my friend she she was the one that actually um told me about the election judge job and how you know we were they were going to pay us but really i mean i didn't really care much about the money i mean i did but i didn't but yeah, was, money. yeah exactly money. <laughs> really because like i was surprised they were going to pay us but um but really why i wanted to do it was just because maybe other i can like show other people like other friends of mine that you know you can do this too because it's really important really it is and um yeah but really it's it was just a long day 14 hours actually to be exact but um it was it was an experience and i'm really glad that i did it and hopefully i can encourage other people my age to do it as well so like, would you do you, did you have any like fears or expectations before going into it um yeah actually i did like i had i was terrified that like protesters like trump protesters were like going to come in the building or something just something super chaotic like you know what i mean and cuz there was some protesters outside but they weren't really like that violent but they were there so and also the people cuz you know people in politics you know different points of views so i thought that something like that was going to happen but nothing like that happened which was good it was just slow and steady throughout the day 
that is so good yeah it was super chaotic for you like you said it was 14 hours you were super scared what are some things that you enjoyed about being an election judge Ooh, um there was this woman that i got to work with she was just such a delight she was such a doll like oh my god her name was priscilla if she's hearing this oh my god hey girl like i had fun working with you shout out to you pre yeah <laughs> no but you know and um people a lot of people complimented me and how they were talking about you know they're they were proud of me of doing this and i got a lot of compliments and i think that was a really good um thing throughout the day we're proud of you too thank you thank you thank you and i guess that just kind of like shows like during the election like the youth activity during voting and like um, like those who can vote yet like they're advocating for those to vote and that's awesome sandra because i believe you said you are 16 right yes i am 16 years old and that's awesome because you're you might not be 18 yet but it's like you're almost already like putting in your vote because you're advocating for people to please vote like yeah this is what's going on this is a good this is a bad of both parties and it's like just go ahead and vote and like help yeah, help everybody yeah. out yes yes really it is and um you know like i said before hopefully you know people my age hearing this it can encourage because it really does make a change it really does I, <laughs> that's funny um so basically i was just trying to steer back the conversation as to like um maybe just a question to all of you like have were you guys aware of like the election process like from a year ago of like yes no or like kind of get more insight on that no i wasn't until you know i became the election judge and i actually saw how the process was but really you know like a year ago like i had like no idea until you know this year I would also have to say, like, no, not really. I know, like, with the primaries and stuff like that, like, to also vote and stuff like that, I didn't get to because I was, like, really, like, that was, like, the height of corona and I was like, really scared to go in person to vote and there wasn't voting by mail for primaries yet. So, like, I missed my chance for primary, but I'm happy I was able to do a mail-in for, you know, like, right now. So, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I also had no clue, like, what the process was at all. I didn't even know there was, like, a primary vote. Like, it, I think it just shows goes to show, like, how much people don't educate us about it. Like, all we hear about is the final vote. And that's what people think matters the most. But I think primaries, I think, matter more than the final ones. I don't know what you guys think about that. Marie, could you um talk a little bit more about, like, your process and experience with mail-in voting? Because everybody just obviously knows, like, the in-person on the day of. But, you know um i think with so many more people voting in this election more than so many others uh definitely you know there is not enough time in a day enough space in the in the u.s for all these people to go and vote in person so some of us need to take different ways to vote you know like uh i know that my my grandma over there in atlanta georgia my guy she apparently she had like mailed in her vote like the day that it opened like the first day that they accepted the mail-in votes she has sent hers in <laughs> she, she was like no my ballot is not about to be trash i will count so could you tell me a little bit more about your experience within the mailing the mail vote process okay so like i had gotten it okay so i got my ballot through the mail which i thought was super cool but like it 
made me worry for a moment because it got lost in my like my mail because like we have a bunch of mail coming in so like there was like bills and like was it like spam mail so it kind of got lost in like that little bunch and stuff like that so like one day like but thankfully before like was in november came i found it and i immediately opened it because i'm like oh my god i gotta fill this out so it was kind of stressful but another thing too i think that was like super helpful it's just like okay so i know what i'm doing but then there was like a part for like the circuit court like that's here in like cook county and i didn't know some of the judges and i didn't know whether or not they were good so i think a good thing about mail-in voting is like i was able to like spend a whole hour just researching these people and like are they going to be good for being in the circuit court are they not and i was able to make decisions based off that and i'm like yes, I'm happy. i didn't even think about that yeah because so like if i was at a polling station i don't i think i would have just like picked at random and decided you don't get based the on their name. of being in person like taking up the line like like no that is so true i'm literally at the comfort of my couch to research these people so i was able to do that and then another thing too is like because um i like since we had like self-quarantine like and stuff like that and because i had an incident in the family and all but like uh past that um i had my aunt was it who had a like signature on the mail-in bad ballot? Because there's just there's a part in the front of the ballot. It's just like, if you had help ma like mailing in this ballot, this person has to sign with like a name and stuff like that. So they had to sign it as well as I did, and then they had to drop it off. And then was it my mom? Like who after our self quarantining for that after that incident? Um, what is it? We went to go drop it off. So it was really interesting in a way to do it because like since we were both at home doing it and not at a polling place um what is it we were able to research these people and then for the fair tax act which i know we'll get to like later on in the show is that like um they to talk about like talking about it like i don't think you could do that at a polling station like you can't talk to someone while they're in like a stall or whatever but, like we, she talked about it she's like what is this i'm like well it sounds it sounds okay like it sounds like a good deal so, you know, she just like figured it out from there. And then we were able to mail it in. But that was super cool. Definitely. I was like, just very interesting. I personally didn't do the mail-in ballot just because out of fear for me. Just because um, I kind of fear that my like my vote got lost or something. But people who did it, good for you guys. Um, you know, respecting quarantine rules and all that. Um, I want to talk more about like quickly, like locally about how our 22nd ward since a lot of us are from little village like how do we feel about the 22nd ward and just kind of in general about if we saw a lot of people voting there or not and just our experience in that i can talk about that so um i i don't i'm not gonna say where i live by but um i live by um a school called joseph e gary and that's one of where one of the voting locations is at and so let's just say it takes me less than 30 seconds to get there anyway okay, girl. So you live on uh, this corner by this street over uh -huh, there by last floor uh -huh. i feel you mm -hmm. okay. uh-huh the skinny tree <laughs> anyways <laughs> so um i was able to basically see everybody there and when i because i voted early um and i did see a lot of people vote early as well but when i tell you all because I go walk my dog every day um, or just in the same block of Gary. And so when I tell y'all that the line was so long, like it was it was crazy. Like that line went from the school all the way to 
almost like on whole other block. And that 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 block, I don't know if y'all seen that block, but that block is ginormous. So I, I me, me and my mom, while we were walking our dog, we were like, oh, oh, I'm like, this is great. Like, we're so happy, but thank God we voted early. You know, that was like, that's what we were just thinking. But yeah, and the, you know what? That made me happy because it's like four years ago, that wasn't happening. And so now it's like people finally see what's going on. And it's like, well, we are, I guess our vote does matter. And it showed, it showed. Definitely. I don't know if any anyone else has more to like put their intake on it. But yeah, I voted in the same place. I went early voting. It was pretty empty. Which yeah. for me, it was fast, you know, but I would have liked more people maybe early voting just because of the reason that it was more empty. And like, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I did see on Twitter that really has nothing to do with, well, it, it does have something to do, but I saw on Twitter that like in the places where they were counting the ballots, there was like these people wearing um, MAGA hats and they were like on their knees in front of like the buildings and they were like praying and like crying in front of, I was like, oh dear, what has this become? But Melissa girl, weren't you telling us about how there was these like witches or something over over by the white house or something and they were like doing something yeah they were practicing i think i think they're wiccan so they're wiccan witches something like that so they were doing their spells or prayers or whatever and you know they were like biden biden with the power i have i possess you know biden's gonna win and vice versa for trump so it's just interesting seeing how a lot of people are very patriotic very um into their fan base i guess it's it's almost as if like these politicians are like celebrities or like something which in a sense like i don't believe in that because it's like you're idolizing them but like good for them for being passionate about their country like go off you do you but yeah i i also saw that video and it's pretty funny i mean not to be mean or disrespectful to their prayer but it was funny i think uh i think we'd be remiss to to not even mention the uh the voter suppression that had gone on in the south as well um but so many so many trump supporters had turned out to block block highways or or stop people from voting um and we still did it you know and we still were able to to come out uh successful so that makes that makes me very happy to see and i'm kind of happy that like what is it like we still did it right and it's like i'm happy that the people who like you know who had the same like mindset of just like you know my vote doesn't count like they changed they changed it around and they're like you know what i'm gonna vote like my mom who hasn't voted in like a while and something like that having the persuasion of my little sister being like my future is literally in your hands vote and it's like me first time voting i'm like my my future is in my hands i gotta vote so people with that same mindset who just turned 18 and I had the eligibility to vote, to vote. And it was on period. Because, like, you have to vote. Your future is literally in your hands. Your kid's future is in your hands. Like, what is it? Your great-grandchildren is in your hands. But you got to do it. You, you got to vote. You got to vote. So I guess this kind of sums up um, our whole conversation about our first half hour. So we'll be going on a short break and just keep on listening. Thank you and all that.
Hey guys, and we are back. Don't forget that you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio, broadcasting from the comfort of our homes live. Oh my God, yeah, it's me, Emmanuel, and the whole Yola Cali team is still here bringing you the juice and the tea. So we are quickly going to get into a conversation about does religion have a space within politics so this is a super super like jokes and laughs and giggles and gags but this is a actual serious conversation because um it has been seen in history again and again and again that people do horrible malicious things and back it up with religion uh with the bible with with god and it's just like No, that can't fly. That is not about to happen here because religion, uh uh-uh, it doesn't say nowhere in the Bible that we have more power than other people, that we can start wars amongst ourselves, that we must talk bad about that person over there because they act and look differently. So we're about to get into that conversation real quick, but we are going to take a tiny break to listen to an audio clip. We'll be right back. Sometimes, especially in this body, I feel as though if Christ himself walked through these doors and said what he said thousands of years ago, that we should love our neighbor and our enemy, that we should welcome the stranger, fight for the least of us, that it is easier for a rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into a kingdom of heaven, he would be maligned as a radical and rejected from these doors. It's not about that it is up to us to love parts of people. We love all people. There is nothing holy about rejecting medical care of people, no matter who they are on the grounds of what their identity is. There is nothing holy about turning someone away from a hospital There's nothing holy about rejecting a child from a family. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law. And I am tired of communities of being of faith being weaponized and being mischaracterized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. It is not up to us to deny medical care. It is up to us to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to protect children, and to love all people as ourselves. So, hey, y'all. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Let's have a conversation like I was talking about. Does religion have a space or a place or, yeah, within politics and law and government? Personally, oh, Okay, personally for me, I don't believe religion should have a place in politics. And again, it's just the personal opinion of mine. It's just like, I feel like, okay, if you're a country that's supposed to have religious freedom, which any any sorts of people with any religions with that should be able to walk free, right? And the laws should make sense with that. And I feel like if it's a certain religion that's like dictating, was it certain laws, that's like kind of like shaping like for a certain religion and not for all religions like a religious freedom country it doesn't really make sense at least to me it doesn't 
I don't know. I, not. I agree with you, Marie. Um, I think I think the church and state should be separate, or or um, whatever whatever faith you follow, because um, it's you're right. Is not everyone's gonna gonna be all right with that with those laws, um, and I think that's way too much power to give to a group of people that that don't have um, like a view a viewpoint for everyone, you know. <laughs> yeah that and i feel like it's kind of like unfair in a way because if you choose one certain religion to like dictate all the laws then it's not really an equal opportunity for the rest of the religions to come into this country like for example like what is it for like a law was like that muslim ban that trump had put it's like muslims isn't a people it's a religion and that's honestly to me that's unconstitutional because you're banning an entire religion to come into a religious freedom nation that doesn't make any sense it's not it doesn't exactly. make exactly yeah like my thing is is how hypocritical a lot of these politicians and just the government itself tends to be y'all wrote into law that anybody could could have any religion that they want they can practice it or no religion at all and and that's that's okay they have that right they have that freedom and they shouldn't be penalized for it. And, but, but then we see, you know, the biggest slogan in God, we trust everywhere. And not only that. And so for me personally, um, the question of does religion have a place within politics? I think, um, in doses in little, little, little micro things. Um, I don't think that it should be, you know, built on religion. I think that's when problems start because that's, that's a division in itself. But I think, when getting into like, you know, most of these politicians and people who just run, run, the run this place, run this country, you know, they tend to be religious and believe in God, whether that's Catholic, Christian, um, you know, that's just how it, how it is now. And it's like in your faith, in the Bible, does it not say to love other people, to treat others with respect? If you are more fortunate, give to the less fortunate and we need to take care of our brothers and sisters. I don't know if maybe you're just not as strong in your faith as I am, but it looks to me like you're not practicing what you preach. Um, it looks to me like you are disrespecting everyone and treating everyone unequally. Like you, you have so much more power than everybody else and leaving everybody else with the dirt. We need to look out for this country, this people. Y'all were put in power for a reason. We need to be taking care of this country, not our 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 families, our own so social circles, but this country. I mean, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of hypocritical people, and just to put on, you know, I I will I will throw the Trump bus, you know, Trump and their supporters. They're notorious for being Christians and all that, but they choose to ignore a lot of the other um, religions. And it seems very selfish. It seems like they hold a, a reason of prejudice and they reason that with religion. And just religion isn't on the basis of that. Um, in general, I just don't believe that politics and like religion should mix just because there's going to be a way where someone prioritizes a certain religion, you get me? Also, this is my personal view, but like, you know, religion is notorious for colonization. It's notorious for a lot of the responsibilities that have happened in the past like years, centuries or whatever, at least in like in point of humanity. So 
I feel like there's a there's a balance and there should be a balance where everyone has a right for their religious freedom, but you shouldn't be putting it onto other people or basing it off that, you know? So that's just my personal view on that. I feel I feel like if you mix religion and government, it just gives it it just gives uh people more ways to weaponize religion in uh in a way to fit their agenda. Like it's all right to have your own values, you know? It's all right to have things that you that you deeply care about when you use it to like to defend why why you're taking people's rights away that's not like specifically in the case of uh, of abortion in this country like i feel like many many uh opposers of of uh, abortion are are very they they would be self-described as religious people you know that's not it you know and i just kind of feel like with that like i may have i may go on a tangent i apologize beforehand but just like when people just like for abortion rights they're just like oh well like life starts like within the womb and stuff like that and like that's a life and i'm like okay i respect that but you can't you can't talk about like being pro-life when there's so many other innocent lives that are living and they're like in need like kids in concentration camps was it being separated from their parents do those lives not matter? Or how about George Floyd when he was killed and the rest of the Black Lives Matters when they were killed? Does those lives not matter? And the thing is that you can't be hypocritical when it comes to that. It's just like, well, all lives matter. And it's just like, well, it's obvious that you don't care about certain lives. So you can't say all lives matter if you're going to be hypocritical and double standard. Like, you can't say like, oh, that life matters. You can't pick and choose. Because then you kind of go against what you're trying to say. And it's just like, if those lives don't matter, and stuff like that, and these lives don't matter, then what life does matter? And I think that's the thing that I have, like, really big trouble with, like, with that abortion right, or, like, that abortion law when people try to repeal it. It's like, well, it's like, you know, like, life starts in the middle of the womb. It's like, but when it exits, when it exits the womb, is it still mattered? Is it still valued? It's like, these are the questions that, like, I think those people who preach it the most and scream it at the top of their lungs have trouble answering because like yeah sure that life inside the womb is precious but as soon as it exits is it still precious is it still worth your time to rage and was it scream at people who are just trying to like make a decision for themselves because you're trying to put a decision on that to that person that you don't know any about you don't know what what struggles that person has gone through yeah definitely um i agree and i just wanted to add my thing is, for me personally, me, I mean, Emmanuel Ramirez, me, like, what I'm trying to say is in no way am I bashing religion because I'm a super religious person. I have strong faith in God and my relationship with God in my eyes is super strong and it can, it can only get stronger from here. When we're saying these these things about religion and politics, it's in no way bashing religion. It's just the way that people are practicing. And these actions don't need to get misconstrued. And like that is in no way, shape, or form religion. And that's not what what faith represents. For me, it, it's about peace and love within everybody. We can we can disagree, that's fine. I'm all right with with supporting one person and you can support the other, but I need to disagree with love and with respect, not with with hatred, because I, I know that the person that you're supporting and you personally, y'all be preaching something and y'all don't practice it. You guys are, are there's a lot of people on on and everywhere that are being super, you know, 
hateful or, you know, doing nothing with, with love and compassion for other human beings. I, I think the biggest thing is just to be more compassionate because I personally put God first before like anything that's happening out there in the world. I, what, what does God teach me to, to love and appreciate other human beings for being themselves and, and not spreading hate or violence. So we just gotta, we gotta love everybody y'all. So enough of our talking and our blabbering, my guy. Let's take a little break and first listen to an interview that me and Giovanni did with our dear Yolok Ali friend, Mari Carmen. My name is Mary Carmen Hernandez. Um, so what religion do you practice and what makes you a strong believer in your faith? I am a Christian. I don't go to a certain church right now, but when people ask me what religion I am, I also say I am the Lord's child. So that's that's how I define myself. I'm the Lord's child. And what would you say is the importance of religion in your own life and what role does it play? It plays a huge role in my life because before I knew God, before I truly started getting close and really pay attention to the character of who God is, I was completely lost in the world. I dealt with a lot of problems, issues internally, physically, and I always try to fill the void with things that would only fill the gap temporarily with material things, relationships, just things that never satisfied me enough. And so my faith in God has really allowed me to find myself and find why I was created and find what truly is my calling in this world because our life here is like a vapor, but at the same time, it holds so much meaning to eternity eventually. So it is the most important role in my life right now, uh, my relationship with God, because the more I keep God's center in all things, the more fruits of the spirit, which are joy, peace, love, patience, and self-control, I see. And so, yeah. That's beautiful. And to go further, how does religion prioritize certain things in your life? So my relationship with God has really allowed me to focus on what truly is important in this life, which is why was I created and like really walking in my my identity in Him and my identity and, and who I was created to be. And like, it has allowed me to fully be able to understand why so many years of my life I completely felt set aside or kind of like outcasted because he kind of had like a, like a plan for me this whole time and all the things that I've went through in my life really allowed me to step into that plan in full obedience to him out of love rather than like out of uh, out of for like force like I completely found God by myself well it was thanks to my mom's faith as well but that inner yearning to find God from, from within and so I know it was placed by him and that's how I that's what I prioritize now is my relationship and making him the center of it all absolutely and to go further um how does religion base your morals yeah so well living for Christ allows me to fully surrender my my ideas my emotions to truly reflect what is the truth you know why because our emotions are constantly changing and my ideas are constantly changing and so if I'm not anchored in the truth I would be constantly washed away or swept away by everything else people try to put in me and so being with a relationship with God has really allowed me to have my own ideas to have my own morals because my morals are based off the Bible 
And I think a lot of people have something against that way of living. Why? Because they see a Bible written by man, right? A Bible written by any, a person, a human being like us, right? Who has the same emotions, who has the same characteristics. But as a person in Christ, I've come to know the truth that the Bible wasn't written by men. It was, it was a message of God through them, you know? And it was like, it was God speaking through them. So the Bible is truly written by God. And so my morals are based on God's morals. And so, yeah, that has really allowed me to reflect my morals based on the Bible, based on what God says, you know, what my father says, what my uh, redeemer says, what my savior says, you know, that's how. And can you tell me, Mari, how religion impacts your own personal political beliefs? So being in Christ, being in a complete relationship with him has really impacted my political views and has allowed me to look at not just seeing it red versus blue, but truly seeing the battle for what it truly is, which is like a battle for like evil versus good, you know, and it's like it has really allowed me to look at outside scope or what everyone else is saying, like whether it's other Christians or other people who are non-believers, you know, it has really allowed me to fully look at the full perspective the way God would look, uh, would want me to see it. Not just go based on what other people are doing, and that includes other Christians, right? Because a lot of Christians in this, and I'm and I'm talking about this like because I I'm I'm part of that I'm part of the community, I'm part of the church, right? Like it, it seems like they idolize this election, like to the point where. And that goes for people, right? But as Christians, we know the difference, like idolizing people as if they're going to save us when in reality we know our true savior. And so being in this position has allowed me to fully allow myself not to be clouded by others' opinions, by others' morals, and truly see what it, it is that it is in God's heart, you know? Who does he want to win? Like, or who is truly being led by him, you know? And it's like, yeah, that has truly changed my perspective on everything and, and everyone, including like the church, which is what we call Christians, like as a whole, and like seeing why there's such a big division in both un- non-believers and the church and in between the church and in between non-believers. So it's like, it has allowed me to fully, the way I would say, disconnect and like fully allow myself to, to look at all points of views and really follow with what God wants me to do or really follow with what's in God's heart. You know, like as a person who loves God, that truly is my main point of view. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. Like that has really allowed to change my political views and also like really notice that like no matter who's president, my God is the same God. So it's like being also aware of that, like n- no president's gonna save us, you know? So yeah. Do you actively engage with your community politically? Politically, no. Um, one thing is because um, I've I've come to um, a realization like politically, no one will ever kind of come to a com- common ground in a way. And it's like one thing that I've truly been focused on is standing up for truth, but also doing it out of love. And so that can be a lot. Like I'm still coming to find out like what's the balance in that? Why? Because I never want to feel like. I'm attacking somebody or by standing up for my own beliefs, I never want anyone to feel like attacked or ashamed. But in reality, like the the way that we live now, it goes for like everyone feels like that, you know, and or like everyone has a certain ground to the like to the point where it's too far or it's too no, nah, it's too personal, you can't go there, you know. So it's like I've come to realize like how can I truly be an example of Christ in love? 
you know, like, in doing it and standing up for my beliefs, but in love and also knowing, like, making that and the other person feel loved and as they tend to feel attacked after or offended, then at and, and that point it would be, like, a personal issue. But to be actively, like, standing up in my community with the political ground, like, I've noticed a lot of people in my community have different values. Everyone is different, you know, and, like, everyone has different stances. Everyone was raised different. And so I'm still coming to find out what's the common ground and how can I still stand for my beliefs without making anyone feel attacked, which is still going to end up happening. But I'm still coming to find out, like, how can I do that? You know, how can I fully be led by God in every situation when it comes to that, you know? And so, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) Has there ever been an instance where your religious beliefs have clashed with any political issues or any of your own political beliefs? Yeah, most definitely. As As I stand now closer to God and really noticing how to be like unashamed of standing up for who I am, who who he made me to be, you know, like I've come to the time where like not everyone is going to agree with me and I'm not going to agree with everyone, you know, but how can I stand to the point where, yeah, I don't agree with you, but I respect you. Yeah, I don't agree with you, but I love you. And it's like, that's, that's what I'm really coming to find out. Like, that's my main point and everything is like, if I don't agree with somebody and I'm going to stand up for the truth, you know, but also I'm going to do it in a way where like, if it's in love to that person knows truly like they get the truth but it's planted to them in love rather than like forcefully or rather than like um i don't know how to say like it has to basically like plant them the seed of god's love in a way that that will allow them to truly experience and have the same perspective that god wants to have like you know when it comes to political views or or anything like so i've just been standing in agreement with what god says and what it says in the bible you know like um what is sin and what is not you know like that's just what i've been standing on and so yeah like when it comes to political views i look at who's going with what and who's doing the what you know it's like and who i agree with maybe i don't agree with no one you know but also like being led by god in every situation that's my main priority is truly putting god in the center of every single decision um idea or anything that i have why because the more I, more i try to do it by myself the more i realize i'm either being swayed to think something or i'm completely sidetracked to what what is the truth and now a really important question do you think politics and religion mix or should they mix? That's a that would be a big yes for me. Why? Because if we think about politics, we look at laws and we look at policies and we look at what's the next plan like that our president has, right? Or like what our politicians have in mind, you know? And so like I like I said, I based off all my values and morals on what God says, you know. So it's like if I go on that and like and I support somebody who completely goes against what God tells me and not not even just in the Bible but God tells me personally then that would be like it does mix you know in a, in a way but it's only to a point you know because like I said politics should never be like our main how do I say like they should never be idolized to the point where like oh they're gonna save or kill us God has the ultimate authority over all kingdoms of the world of the world and that goes for like all government you know so it's like I I look based on that and also knowing like my God has my back you know and so like being able to stand in agreement to what he says politics and and my beliefs do in a sense mix but to an extent you know how do you think we can all come together as a community no matter our political or religious beliefs will that day ever come what would that look like 
the way that that could come about is truly in love. But however, the thing is, as a believer, I know that everyone who's bound to the world or everyone who is not a believer is bound to something. And that might sound harsh, but this this is what I mean by that. When we're not in Christ, you are in the world. So that means whatever's in the world is holding you hostage, is holding you inbound, is holding you in chains. So even if we do come together in love, your spirit, the spirit of God in you will trigger their demons to the point where no matter how you nicely you say, you stand for the truth, you stand in a, agreement, in love, that person is no longer that person. Why? Because they're bound by the things, they're bound by the demons, they're bound by the beliefs of the world, which is, and the ruler of the world is the devil, um, sadly. He truly isn't the ruler, right? God has the ultimate authority. However, people who are not in God are bound by something. So in that sense, a unified world would be until Christ comes. But even then, it would be separated. Why? Because not everyone would choose to fully surrender themselves to God, even after they see the miraculous works of God, after they see how good He is, after He see how loving He is, they will still choose to continue in their wicked ways. And so as much as I would love a unification of all people, and I'm not saying it, it can't be, right? God is God is the God of the impossible, so everything is possible to Him, right? But as a believer, I know like coming to an, an agreement will never work with a person who is operating out of the spirit of the devil. Why? Because the devil runs wild in strife. The devil is completely pleased when we're in division, when we're in hate, when we're in... So it's like if you're operating out of the spirit of the world, which is the devil, you will never be able to see the light until you fully surrender yourself and you fully allow yourself to be transformed. Why? Because a lot of people... They have seen the, the true works of the gospel, like they have seen the true power of the gospel, but still choose to stay in bond. Why? Because they're more afraid of being changed and becoming who Christ called them to be than to stay the same in the world, being held down by, by demons, be, be, beliefs and other things that truly never let them live free. And that's the biggest lie of the enemies, thinking that being in Christ is, is a life of lack of freedom when in reality, those who are in Christ are free indeed. You know, who the Son of God sets free is free indeed. It has been sad to see, like, a lot of people who I try to talk to them about Jesus Christ, they are so caught up in the world that they truly don't want to be free. They think that they're living in freedom. So, it's like, for them, changing would be harder than for them to stay the same, which is truly, like, the lies of the pits of hell, like... It's so sad to see people, but I still have hope that a lot of people will be saved. And, and it is the truth. After this election, I'm going to just tell you guys this. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be chaos. However, this chaos is going to lead a lot of people to Christ. People, your loved ones will come to Christ like never before after this. But yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mari Carmen. Me and Gio are so grateful that you were able to join us today in this conversation. And thank you so much for being here. This was fun, guys. Thank you for taking me in consideration. That's amazing to see God working you guys, you know? Thank you. And now let's get back to our What's Up show. And we're back. Remember, you are listening to 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Lumpen Radio. Um, right now, we're going to transition more about education and what we're talking more about. And just to kind of give, like, a tangent on this, you know, 
education is important. I think we can all agree on that. And education is very vital, especially in our state and how the funding and everything is distributed, you know. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of problems that happen, you know, in the school system. And just hopefully with this election and all the other policies that we might make or something like that, that it will uplift education and will educate others. Because at the end of the day, you know, voting is because you learn something, you know. You base all your ethics, your morals because of education and not necessarily what you learn in school, but because of like your experience in school. So just going on to that, this correlates a lot with voting and just the basis of everything is education. Learn everything and make your own make your own decisions, you know, and in your own experiences as life. And that's how it correlates. So just giving you a little tangent about education, how important it is, and, you know, still care about education, educate yourselves every day and all that. But right now, we do have an awesome interview with um, Jesse Reese, and Donna and Sandra actually are going to, you know, navigate that conversation. So I just pass it on to them, and I know they're going to do wonderful. So, yeah. So, yeah, our next guest is Jesse H. Reese, and he's the Deputy Governor of Education from the Office of Governor J.B. Pritzker. Um, Sandra, do you want to tell us a little bit about him? Yes, uh, Jesse has devoted countless hours to volunteering in the public interest. He served nearly seven years as chairman of the Illinois State Board of Education and then spent over four years as vice president of the Chicago Board of Education. In 2015, he stepped in for more than three months as interim CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, the nation's third largest school district. Hello, Mr. Reed. Um, thank you for joining us today. How are you? And, and Jesse's just fine, please. Oh, okay. But um, how are you? How are you this? Good. Uh, you know, a lot. Um, very, very happy for our country today. Uh, yes. it's, it's not a secret. I am a Democrat. Uh, I serve in the Democratic uh, gubernatorial administration. Uh, and, and I supported Joe Biden for president. But um, aside from political affiliation, I just honestly believed, particularly as a son of Mexican immigrants, um, that um, uh, a Biden administration would bode well, bode better for the future, for frankly, all, all of your generation, uh, as well as for me and, and in particular for uh, immigrants and, and especially for Latinos. Yeah, so starting uh, today's conversation, can you tell us a little bit more detail about what your job entails? Sure. Uh, as Deputy Governor for Education under Governor Pritzker, uh, my portfolio includes everything uh, in the P20 system, which is three agencies that oversee um, our education system in Illinois. The uh, Illinois State Board of Education, which is our P-12 agency from preschool through high school. Uh, and oversees the uh, 852 school districts in the state of Illinois, you know, about 1.9 million students in, in uh, P-12 in Illinois. And uh, then the Illinois Community College Board with 84, 48 rather, community colleges, including the city colleges of the Chicago system. And the Illinois Board of Higher Education that oversees our 12 public universities. Uh, in the state of Illinois. Obviously, many other private universities that uh, it has a role in as well, but direct uh, oversight of the public universities. And then there's also the Governor's Office of Early Childhood Development, 
that uh, helps guide uh, early childhood uh, education and uh, early childhood care policy and oversight in our state. Uh, and then finally, the Illinois uh, Student Assistance Commission that uh, hopefully those uh, high school seniors are filling out their FAFSAs right now and that helps distribute MAP grants to help students uh, uh, access college with financial support from the state of Illinois. So just a few few things that uh, I oversee every day. And I, I, I also have the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum in my portfolio. Uh, and so uh, I help uh, oversee the operation of the museum in Springfield. Wow, that's uh, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and in the course of a pandemic, obviously, uh, the job has changed dramatically since last March, where we uh, then, I mean, part of overseeing for the safety and health and well-being of students is always part of every educational institution's mission uh ever more so during a pandemic when we had to make sure that um, the health and safety of uh, students teachers administrators were was at the forefront um and still is i mean we're still fighting this challenge right now unfortunately we're seeing a surge and so we're helping roll out testing in schools so uh, I never knew I, I was going to have to become conversant in COVID testing uh, and contact tracing, but um, that's part of the job these days. What skills would you say that uh, COVID has, you have gained due to COVID and the pandemic? Because it well, has changed your job, as you said. Uh, very much so. And, and, and because in, in, uh, as those who are in high school now know all too well last March that we had to instantly pivot I think it was around March 16th, 17th, wherein the governor announced that we, you know, we had to stay at home and all schools had to go to remote learning. And many school districts, many schools across the state didn't necessarily have that capacity um, up and running. They didn't have that capability uh, per se and teaching the skills you need to teach remotely are, are, are a bit different than being live in a classroom. And so, uh, helping stand up the capabilities and, and support districts. It's largely done at you know every school building in the state. Uh, we've got more than you know almost 4,000 schools in the state. So and then that's just public schools, the private schools as well. So uh, it was uh, helping them getting federal funding and, and state support out to them, helping get grant money out to them to get uh, their digital uh, divide issues addressed. Uh, and so, and again, the safety and, and trying to bring schools back and provide the guidance that they need uh, to get back to the classroom this fall. In some cases and others, they're still still remote. And, and we hope to get students back uh, as quickly as possible. Remote is not a great, is not the optimal substitute for in-person instruction. So uh, we hope to be able to get more students back into the classroom. What do you think are the next steps for education in Illinois in the upcoming months? And what does the landscape in the state look like as for opening up schools, really? Well, there are about, um, oh, there are about 169,000 students of the 1.9 million students who are going to school fully in person. There's about 589,000 students who are on a hybrid model and about uh, almost 1.2 million who are still completely remotely uh, going remote. And, and so obviously we've got a long way to go where the vast 60% of our students are, are still going to school remotely and uh, being able to provide testing. We have pilots now beginning across the state where they can do testing like the University of Illinois at Urbana is doing uh, where their, their students get tested on campus in Urbana 
in Champaign uh, every day. Uh, they're, they're getting tested, rather, I'm sorry, uh, twice a week. Um, the student athletes get, the, the football players get tested every day. Uh, and so, so uh, they were able to help contain the spread of the virus because they're rigorously testing. We're hoping to roll that out to other public universities as well in the coming months and hopefully eventually to school districts as well. Some school districts have been doing this. And so they're able to ensure that they can bring their students and their teachers and, and, and administrators back safely. So uh, helping that process. And um, and then we're going to see, unfortunately, and we know there's something you know that, that we all are aware of called summer learning loss. That, you know, during the summer months when you're not in school, you, you tend to forget a few things that you may have learned the year before in the you know, first week or two of school. There's some refreshing that has to take place. Well, there is a phenomenon that, that uh, folks are beginning to look at called COVID loss. And because uh, remote learning uh, is not an ideal substitute to in-person instruction, uh, we're going to have seen some loss. And unfortunately, as is the case typically uh, with the achievement gap, it's going to have a disproportionate impact on disadvantaged students, low-income students, frankly, African-American and Latino students. And so we're going to have to focus our efforts, and we've begun doing it. There's something called a P20 Council in the state that I've started to redirect their efforts on, focusing on what we're just terming for now, what's going to be the Marshall Plan for bringing back our education system, for closing the gaps that we know have been created and exacerbated for, for especially Black and Latino students. And what do we have to do for, for them now, immediately, and starting um, you know, in the next few months on making sure we're starting to make headway on closing that gap? What do you think about talking about education and opening up schools? What do you mm -hmm. think about Biden's five-step road plan, since he is our um, elected president now? He's now our president-elect, thank goodness. Uh, so, yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a very sound plan. And, and uh, interestingly, uh, it's a number of things that, you know, Governor Pritzker has already done here in Illinois. We're not quite at two years in office, but, um, you know, we, we've set a new minimum wage for teachers in Illinois, so supporting teachers. And I'm happy to see that we've actually gained, even, you know, during this past year, the State Board of Education just issued the school report card last Friday. And so just looking at some of that data where we've gained teachers, the, you know, the, the average salary of teachers has edged up slightly. You know, I still think we need to you know, respect our teachers more. It's probably one of the most important professions in, in, in our country. And yet uh, it's not as well rewarded financially as it should be. I mean, compared to professional athletes or others, frankly, uh, a teacher has more impact and many more lives. Uh, and so uh, as a parent, I think I entrust the most precious thing in my life, my children, to teachers every single day. Uh, and they spend more waking hours at times when they're t teachers than with me. And so uh, what is that worth? And what, what should we all pay for that? A lot more than we currently do. So that's critical to make sure we, re we recruit and retain you know, the best and the brightest in the profession and the profession, hopefully, that will be more diverse, more reflective of the students that they're teaching. Uh, you know, making sure that there are uh, social emotional supports. There has been no doubt uh, a toll on, on well, everyone's mental health during this pandemic, but especially youth. And uh, so I'm very conscious of that. We're trying to, to make sure that we can provide more counseling services, telehealth, 
uh, services for students so they can access that uh, capital, you know, more capital dollars for, for schools. CPS just invested $8 million on uh, air, air quality in their schools. Many of their schools are very, very old, so they don't have the best HEPA filtration in the air. And when you're fighting an airborne virus, that's kind of important. And so uh, past careers and uh, investing in early childhood, something Illinois was at the forefront of. Uh, we lost a little ground in prior administrations, but we're, we're renewing those efforts. And uh, we know that's one of the best investments of a dollar you can make is early childhood. Um, so what are things Illinois is working on fixing about the education system? You know, like low wage communities, families, and you know, like you said, mental health, you know, how is help given? Uh, well, the best, best help you can give is financial. Uh, and so a few years back, the uh, General Assembly and the governor um, passed um, some, a new funding model called EBF, evidence-based funding. And so uh, something that, in fact, President-elect Biden uh, noted in his plan that, you know, your, your educational trajectory shouldn't be based on your zip code. Uh, because largely we fund education based on property taxes in Illinois. So if you live in a property-rich district, you get a better education. I mean, we literally can fund uh, students on, you know, from below 10,000 to you know mid 20,000. I mean, that just doesn't seem fair in this country. Uh, that everybody should have the same resources and the same advantages. And so, trying to provide more funding to those districts, um, the federal level, hopefully, we'll see more Title One funding which again have, helps mo more disadvantaged low-income students and provides more, more funds to those districts so they can provide more wraparound services to students and support so they can succeed uh, and, and hopefully will make a dent in the achievement gap. Look, um, early childhood, that's something that, you know, during the pandemic, we had to basically shut down our childcare system and our early childhood education system. And we're one of the few states in the nation that provided $270 million in emergency grants to sustain that system uh, and, and allow those folks because they have to, they can not bring as many students back in and a lot of them are a fee for service. So you're, you're cutting their income and so their, their financial viability is impacted. So we're trying to support that system so uh, it stays vibrant and, and uh, healthy. So it's there for families when we get back to work. This is kind of going into Biden's five-step plan and also like um, just higher education. So mm -hmm. Biden's five-step plan, he's like thinking of giving or planning out of giving like $3 million so that all education can like have be better during pandemic and as mm -hmm. well as $4 million to give for technology and education. And um, and this is just more of a future question. Um, do you ever think that uh, EU will have free higher education? Uh, yes. I think at some point, and most likely we'll start with community colleges. Uh, but I mean, that's what one thing that we do with our MAP grant funding here uh, in Illinois is that if we provide and fund MAP grants, that's one way so that every student, uh, their need or their, their unmet need uh, is filled. Uh, and so, yes, I mean, I think it's important. The amount of student debt, I mean, in 2008, 2009, we saw the, the uh, uh, re great recession based on the housing bubble that burst. I mean, the, some economists have said the next bubble is the student loan bubble. It's tremendous amounts of money because uh, the cost of college has outpaced inflation by a lot. 
And uh, that's largely because state governments haven't and the federal government hasn't funded it as well as we should. So we've put the burden on the individual uh, and, and it simply um, hampers young people uh, to start their careers. I mean, my parents were, were my dad was a, uh, my, came here as a migrant farm worker from Mexico and, and uh, with a third grade education and, and worked in a factory and couldn't afford to send me to college. So I did it all on my own. But, you know, I graduated from the University of Illinois in 1988, owing all in $10,000. I don't know if I could do that today. So uh, I don't know if my life would be possible today in today's economy with the current cost structure. That shouldn't be. Somebody like me and somebody like all of all the young kids today, regardless if you have to fund it yourself, you should be able to go to college. Um, and um, what is something that you would want to tell the youth as we know the election results? Um, you know, if you can vote. <laughs> and, and so thank you to all the um, 18-year-olds and, and older who may have voted in their very first uh, presidential election. I hope uh, it, it maintains a, a, a very much a part of your your life going forward, staying civically and actively engaged. Uh, you know, as we say, you know, to vote the And uh, we saw it. We saw it play out. And you saw it in places like Nevada uh, and New Mexico uh, and, and in South Texas and, and other places where Latinos were instrumental. Um, and and um, we should be proud that, that um, African-Americans and Latinos elected Joe Biden. Um, they truly did. And so that's powerful. That's powerful because then the needs of our community, we have a greater voice in, in naming and, and, and talking about those needs and, and asking that those needs be met uh, with resources and programs and, and uh, funds that we need. So it's critical for all of our futures because we are collectively linked, whether we like it or not. And that's rural America, urban America, suburban, you know, black, white, Latino, Asian American, Native American. We're all linked. That is the fabric of America. And so our, our, our collective success is dependent on each and every one of our successes. And so can you tell me more about like in your position, since the focus is on youth, um, have you seen a rise in voting and activism among our generation and the group? Uh, that's one of the things that gives me a lot of great hope and, and you know makes me bounce out of bed every day to go to work. Yes, I have seen it. Um, like frankly, seeing all of you right now uh, is so incredibly uh, uh, uplifting. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of, as I like to say, my dad passed away at 96 years old. Unfortunately, my mother just recently passed away at 88. Um, and so chances are genetically, I'm, I'm gonna be around for a while longer. And so uh, my well-being is gonna be in very good hands looking at the youth of today who are very much engaged, very much um, not only engaged in, in you know, uh, issues, but also in voting and, and voting in greater numbers and hoping some, something that uh, will become part of a growing trend that uh, you know, we truly have elections like we just saw where you know, we don't go back to the days where we're having 40% turnout that 80, upwards of 80% should be the, the, the expectation of, of our country, of our fellow citizens, that it's a, it's a privilege that so many people fought and died for, frankly, that we've got to exercise it. Right, yes. And um, you know, to finalize this interview, uh, we would like to ask you something more personal. Okay, so as a child, did you always know what you wanted to be? And like, um, 
Like, what did you want to be growing up? Actually, I wanted to be an electrical engineer was my first career or, or fourth grade an astronaut. Uh, you know, my, when I was a small child, you know, the NASA programs and watching astronauts splash down from space was something I'd see on TV. And so astronaut, the electrical engineer, that didn't quite work out in college. And then lawyer, um, and I was a practicing lawyer for the prior 22 years, um, because I saw that lawyers could have an impact not only uh, for their clients, but for their communities. And so, and that's borne out that, that it allowed me to, to volunteer and have in essence a parallel co career in public service on school boards uh, until I made it a full-time endeavor when Governor Pritzker asked me to join his administration. And um, one last question. Hmm? Um, were you an activist when you were like our age? And is this what you envisioned for the future? Uh, not so, I wouldn't know if I'd term myself an activist, but you know, after my first few years in college, I did get engaged more and, and uh, started becoming more involved down in Champaign at La Casa Cultura Latina and, and realizing that, um, you know, frankly, I, I had never uh, experienced overt discrimination or, or that people would treat me differently because of, you know, being Mexican-American. Uh, and unfortunately in college, I started seeing it. And I had an awakening that I needed to do something that, you know, there were some opportunities I was given in life because I was uh, Mexican-American. And, and for that, I owed an obligation to my community to open doors for others. And then again, I also then got to experience later in my career, there are some opportunities I was deprived. I, I, I can honestly say most likely that there's no other reason that because I was different. And so that just... Uh, I think I got more, became more of an activist when I got a little older and I got more upset and agitated when I saw those injustices and wanted to do more to correct them. That's where a law degree comes in handy. <laughs> so uh, uh, taking on pro bono cases for folks who I thought were wronged and just um, using your legal training to advocate more effectively um, for students and, and especially at, at Chicago Public Schools and doing some things in the State Board of Education when undocumented students weren't being admitted to school districts, which is their legal right in this country based on a 1982 Supreme Court case that I learned yeah. from Obama in law school. Barack was my law professor and I learned that case in his class, Plyler versus Doe. I was able to shut down that school district um, only one day because they, they changed their, they had a change of heart once they got shut down. But, um, you know, having that legal training allowed me to effectively advocate for those undocumented students. Um, well, I'm sure that that's like um, something we can all relate to on this show, just um, being racially, like not being given as many opportunities as others because of our race and discriminated against. But thank you so much for your time with us. We appreciate your opinions, information you gave us about CPS and the next steps. And thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Well, thank you for providing this forum and for all you're doing. And again, um, I have a lot of uh, faith in my old age when I know that uh, you people like, like you will be in charge and, and taking care of old guys like me in the future. <laughs> okay, we are going um, on a short break and we will be right back you're listening to What's Up, Downfall of the Human Race, pre-post-election dumpster fire 2020 edition. One, two, three, now!
Remember, you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And right now, we're just steering into our final half hour. And we're going to be kind of talking more about issues in Illinois. And right now, it's more about fair tax. So I know we have a very passionate audience about just taxing in the U.S. and, you know, more specifically in our state and what we had to sign on the ballot. So if anyone would like to say something about it, then, you know, open deck, open mic, whatever, go on. What was the Fair Tax Act? Because I know for some people, which was weird, it's like my, for me and my mom's ballot, it said Fair Tax Act, right? And then for my aunt's ballot, it said something amendment. And I was super confused about that. So. For me, for me personally, my ballot said like article something, something, something. But that's what I was reading. I was like, I got the gist. I was like, ah, oh, this is for taxing. Okay, then. But basically, it's just kind of taxing people who make, I think, over 250000 in Illinois and how they should be kind of taxed more. Obviously, you have your own beliefs. But you know what? I signed, yes, tax them, tax them, tax the rich, you know. But yes. that's my personal opinion. But definitely, I, from... From what I was taxing, or like from what I voted more, is because, you know, a lot of people get bailouts because they don't tax. So a lot of these people who make over 250000 have businesses, have own companies, and for that reason, they get bailouts. And they kind of get credited because, like, you know what, they're providing jobs. But I don't necessarily see it like that. So that was one of the reasons why I kind of voted um, to, you know, tax, tax the rich or whatever. But um, it a lot of people argue also that, you know, taxation is theft and all that. But, you know, you're entitled to your own opinion. And obviously you had an option to sign it when you were doing the ballot. But um, I would just leave it to anyone who wants to elaborate more on that. Yeah. And like you said, um, like how some people think like tax is theft and all. You know what? They write. So why do the poor have to keep doing it so they can just get poor? And so that's like really like what I'm thinking right now, because... When we think, let me break it down, you So a lot of the poverty uh, you see is a lot in the cities, right? And it's usually by black and brown communities. And so why is it that a lot of these rich people in the suburbs, because, you know, it's, it's about Illinois and not about Chicago. But if we're being honest, like that tax money that's going in is from a lot of like the poor communities. And why do we have to pay all of that? You know, it's like, it's, it's just unfair and it's and, and it's really about fairness and 
and that just in itself shows that like even having to put a task a ta- I cannot talk yeah having to put an act for like the fair tax act like it just shows about you know just just the US in general and how capitalism is such a big problem and so for this act to have passed it didn't right but like if it was to pass like it would have benefited everybody like even even the rich that say like oh no like i don't want to pay all this but it's like you you're benefiting everybody but at the same time it's like people you know they want to benefit themselves they don't think about who's not eating who's living in the streets who's dying and like just going off of that like cuz like people like like was it with that type of money to be taxed because like people who were like working like what is it like these part-time jobs and so like that barely making ends meet it's like your stuff isn't going to get taxed right because like you're using it for like food and like bills and stuff like that that you need to pay for but the people like who like hoard all this money who have all this wealth and stuff like that those are the people that were going to get taxed and stuff like that it's just like and then like they think it's theft and then I know there was this other person I think 50 cent who didn't want to vote for Biden like when you know that was still a thing um that he didn't want to vote for Biden because he didn't want to pay get taxed more and I'm like bro it's like you have all this wealth and stuff like that and you're not going to share with people who do need it like all those homeless and all the people who are literally dancing upon the poverty line and it's like and then again I might go on a tangent again please stop me if you agree or stop me if you don't um the thing is is like it kind of discusses me how much people have like all hoard all this wealth and then like they could do so much with it other than going on like vac- on going on vacation to their private island for their 40th birthday instead of giving people presents for was it a hologram or like horses and I'm like for what knowing that there's people on the street that are literally dying that need healthcare that like was need to pay their bills they need to pay for medication and for what and I know I went on a tangent yesterday always oh, from one of our classes um about this is just like I don't know how people can like get like was it richer and so like that and be okay with knowing that people are literally dying because they don't have they don't have money to eat they don't have money to pay was it for their houses so they get evicted and or like was it and I and I discussed this like one point or just like why do we, as soon as we come out the womb we start accumulating debt and then like was it when I'm buried and I die was it it still costs money for funeral costs and it's just like and I didn't like how what is it like for example like there's a CEO of Amazon Jeff Bozos or Bezos I can't pronounce his name I'm sorry okay there was like this news article where it's just like what is it 80 million I may be saying that number wrong Americans slipped into poverty amid coronavirus pandemic study finds for NBC NBC news but then at the same time, billionaire wealth rises to more than 10 trillion for the first time ever amid pan- pandemic. Like that's not so that has to be some way correlated. That that makes no sense if that's if people are like was it losing so much money, probably getting evicted and being homeless amid a pandemic. But then these millionaires get super duper rich. That's not how this is supposed to work. Like how come what is it people just get poorer and people just get and what is it, other people get richer? It doesn't. It doesn't sit right with me. It really doesn't. Yeah, just going on to you, what you're saying, Marie. I totally agree with it. But you know, a lot of it is to the root of capitalism and how capitalism is how it's structured to put um, a lot of people on that hierarchical scale. You know, having people who are 
or basically living slaves and how a lot of those rich people get richer and it was very evident during the pandemic how you know prices went up for hand sanitizer or for any like daily daily needs or whatever for your house and a lot of it basically a lot of billionaires like profited off of that you know and just going on to that how capitalism is kind of the root of our problems and hate and all that and we've seen it very evident during the election season and all this we i know marie has a lot of say about this and we've kind of invited um um kids from let me see the kind of give us you know their intake on what they feel and just um i would just leave it to marie to kind of you know introduce it better so go off um so i guess like the start of this off is just like you know is hope prosperity is it still possible for this nation and i wanted to ask the people of tomorrow who like just couldn't vote just yet so we have sarah meta and jeremiah to give us their thoughts on it um and the question for was it that one question to ask is was it it's like is what does society need in order to heal um i think that's a great question i think society needs a lot of help to get back you know, to, I don't want to say back to normal, but I think because, like, there's so much stuff that has happened in 2020 that has affected so many people, it just needs, like, I don't know. Me, personally, I think we just needed a new president because the president that we had before um, just wasn't it, you know? I don't know. It's probably, like, my opinion because, like, one, it sucks because I was so close, like my age was so close to being able to vote and I couldn't, but I am happy that, you know, a lot of teenagers who did turn 18 and had the right to vote did vote, which makes me really happy. That's wonderful to hear, Sarah. Thank you for your input. Um, Meta, Jeremiah, what are your thoughts on that question of like, what does society need in order to heal? From my perspective, uh, what I thought I need, society needed to heal was, first of all, Trump to get out of there. Um, so that was an amazing, uh, like, update when Joe Biden won the election. And I really appreciated that due to the fact, like, I'm barely 14. I'm probably like, one of the youngest here, aside from a few people here. But it really, like, made me happy the fact that, like, it, like we came through and we had a change in our society. So, yeah, I, that, that was really a, a really good, a really good thing for me to hear this morning. Thank you, Jeremiah. And Mede, what, what are your thoughts on that question of what society needs in order to heal? I think society needs or would need to heal would be like positive energy, like stop taking people down for basically no reasons or for their skin color or something. Because honestly, it could get pretty annoying from the same fact that people just look at someone and judge them without even knowing them. So I think society really needs a big impact on how we look at people and how we treat others. That's my input. Thank you so much, Mede. And now we turn that question to ourselves as people who are able to vote and stuff like that and older people. What is it like? What, what, does, society, what does society need in order to heal? Now that we ask ourselves this and are able to vote. For me personally, I feel like society needs to heal in the way that how we treat other people and just kind of evaluate our situation and, you know, our differences between one another and, you know, just learning between our differences and learning that, you know, we're all basically equal, you know, just going off with that corny stuff, you know, <laughs> like it's not corny, but, you know, it's like we're all equal. We're all human. We're all this and that, you know, 
and just being able to acknowledge our differences when it comes to race, race, culture, and all that is definitely something I feel like when people say that I don't see color, it's just enhancing the racism and it's just putting it in another way. I just think just acknowledging each other and, you know, respecting one another and actually, you know, sitting down and having a conversation with everyone about how they're feeling, how they're doing, and what are, like, changes. Because at the end of the day, humanity only advances when we all get together, you know. And just putting our differences in that is just slowing it down. So that's for me. Exactly. And I I want to thank the, like, young voices that came here today to speak with us because we are all going to be ruling the future. We are what matters right now because them other people that disagree with us they'll be gone, you know? We will still be here. And so we need to decide what is going to happen for us. Cause you're gone, honey. You need to worry about other things. And what I personally think society needs needs to do in order to heal is I think we just need to start by first, like pausing and taking a breath. I think everybody's just moving too fast, physically, mentally. We just need to like, like rest we need to breathe we need to think hard and we just need to think about like why are we purposefully choosing to live a life full of hate and vengeance and violence and and not sanity that is something else and it's what we're currently living through so i think we need to choose to live a life of love an abundance of love and respect for everybody else. I think that's what we need to do. We need to think about our priorities. Our priorities in the faith in humanity, not our, not our personal priorities. Uh-uh. <laughs> you thought, I, th- I saw you over there. You were slipping, honey. No. We need to love everybody. Thank you so much for your input, Emmanuel and Emilosa. Uh, I, I agree with all of y'all. I think maybe a way that we could do it is by investing more in our in our health, in our health care for everyone. I think that has been neglected far too long, health and education. And uh, if we if we start to invest in that, maybe I know, and it's going to be a long time till we see some some semblance of unity in America, uh, considering just how, how divided we were this election. But if we if we invest in ourselves like that, that's going to bring people up so much. You know, it's it's not about like, you know, red versus blue. And it's not it's not so black and white, you know. And everyone's got their own, their own um, problems in their life, or or everyone's in a different boat. But we, we're all in America, and it's 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 about high time we unify. Uh, maybe get rid of the billionaires. Maybe maybe get rid of the corporations. Maybe bring maybe bring uh, a little human face into it. You know. Yes. Maybe plant some bushes, grow some trees, take care of the earth. Overthrow capitalism. I don't know. I think the other thing is like. Yes, we're healing and like we need to come together as a community. And I think it was a win for us. It was a win for us in terms of like our community and our rights. But I feel like there's still a lot that we can improve with the things that Biden supports and the things that he should be supporting. And I feel like that's our priority as well. Like in the healing process, we should also think about what can be better. What have we already been doing that's great and what can be better? There's always things that can be improved on. And I think that this is a step in the right direction to do so. What do you guys think? 
Definitely. Because, like, was it with Biden winning and stuff like that? Step in the right direction. And now, like, was it with these four years to come? I feel like we can definitely, like you were saying, Tona, it's just like there's like things that we can't, that we're doing good. And there's things that we could do better at. And, th- and this four years should be the time to like start bettering those things that needed better that this is Oof. this is clearly not not the end to this fight like it's a it's a very big victory uh it's giving us a platform to 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 step off of but this fight is not over and if you thought this was over uh it's not over you know we <laughs> we gotta we gotta start to push for for stuff uh that we're really passionate in you know it's it's like um defunding police that should be another step. I know it's a very big task. Maybe getting rid of this racist mentality. That's such a big goal, but I think it is possible, especially with this next generation of people. Yeah, I would like to add a few words to this uh, topic. Um, personally, I feel like the next four years, by the way, my name is Jerry to everyone's tuning in. Thank you for having me here um, to the fellow Your Story Your Way alums and people. Um, so I just wanted to say uh, <laughs> the next four years is going to be really uh, sh- uh, shifting in the making because we already know, we already know something that we have been doing, and it's that that uh, progress that we've been working on. There has been many, you know, populations and many manifestations in order to bring up the the injustice system in our political system that we have right now in America, and not only that, but we're also kind of bringing up uh, important topics into conversation. Uh, for example, like uh, housing stability, um, uh, helping communities be being fed. In addition to that, we're also recuperating our resources because right now, um, ever since the whole shift, you know, going online and going digital, majority of the society has realized that its resources they might not be needed and they need to be repurposely, you know, changed to other things. For example, uh, August brought a good term, uh, a good topic on defunding police. Um, yeah, and once we defund the police, what will happen to those funds? Where can they be reallocated? To schools, to education, you know, to proper uh, after-school programs, or even then uh, resources for the community members, or even then youth. So now, now that we know all these issues or all these things that can be shifted and changed, now it's going to be what can we do with these changes, and how are we going to, like how Tona said, how can we? progress and keep moving forward with these changes and how can it just better you know community members youth and people who you know who are leading this this new generation you know for us most of us we have you know some time or some you know some some time to do these things but along the way the youth are the ones that are going to be taking our jobs they're going to be taking our positions and they're the ones you guys are being active on this you guys are being informed of this you guys are, you know are recuperating all these resources and finding out how these resources could be reallocated to you know proper things like our community our education even then our youth so i feel like the next four years it is going to be difficult we are going to see a lot of change but we just have to prepare for it and kind of you know adapt to the change because you know sometimes when we don't we can't adapt when we can't pull through you know sometimes we fall off but it's always to remember that we just have to pull through you know exactly thank you so much jerry i think like the way august had said like we have that type of mindset like a racism mindset also like we have the mindset like a lot of kids my age and younger or like you know who just turned 18 have the idea like oh well it doesn't affect me i don't care like i shouldn't have to put up with this and stuff like that but in reality like it does affect you you know you are a part of like 
this country. Like, we have to do this together. Like, we're in this fight together. Thank you so much for your input on this, Sarah. And just to wrap up everything, you know, um, we talked about elections, you know, and how our how this presidential race was for us and so we had interviews awesome interviews with um jesse reese who is um the board of election in illinois and you know just good thoughtful conversations about what we're thinking about the next four years and you know the process of everything but before we leave you guys we have a special announcement so whoever wants to take it away oh my god y'all special announcement we want to wish a very special week to a very special somebody we hope that they enjoy their day their week their month in the chaos that this year has been and especially this week that they can enjoy themselves and find find a little a little crack a little space to enjoy themselves we want to wish a very special birthday to stephanie oh my god yeah. Happy birthday, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Come on, y'all. Let's harmonize. Right, let's go. Happy birthday. Feliz Navidad. For those of y'all that are so confused right now, Stephanie is our our teacher, our mentor, our instructor, our inspiration. She is, we're looking at her right now behind the scenes, you know, doing her little her little keyboard and, and production things, but we are so grateful to have her in our life and we hope that she just has an amazing birthday. Anybody else want to say something? I love you, Steph. Love you? I don't know. Yeah. Stephanie, yes, we, we know you got a mic, honey. You got something love to you. say. Oh my God. Let's not cry now. Let's celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, um, we're wrapping up the show, so I hope you guys really enjoyed um hearing our tangents our debacles and also you know congratulations Steph for being you know another year you know so I don't congrats, know what else Steph. congrats we are so glad you're our president now we are so grateful <laughs> yes so other than Yay. that you know this is what's up hope you enjoyed it and goodbye <laughs>